0: Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Squinting at the Good with Nemec and Trox. Howdy, guys! Welcome this is, back. This is Nemec, and that is Trox. How's it going? And uh, this is episode two. We're still on Republic Roulette. We haven't we given are up season yet. Season two,
1: Republic Roulette. Yeah. We haven't given up yet. The squeak wall. The, as, the, as the the online folks say. The squeakle? What? Yeah. What is that? A re- that's, a that's a reference to Alvin to and Alvin the, and, the and the Chipmunks. chipmunks. That yeah. was the second yeah. movie I mean, they made. One of their better ideas of naming movies was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Instead of a sequel, you know, play on words to make it a sequel. The squeakle. Yeah. 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 But uh, uh, did you see that movie? No, I actually saw either of the first or the second. I did <laughs> but see. the I, pop culture reference. you know, I is, did see the first. Evasive.
0: And the cartoon Alvin and the Chipmunks
1: uh, was a staple.
0: Was a staple of my childhood. Was on
1: VHS. Oof, uh, there you go. Early two thousands tech for you. Yes. And late. Honestly, the VHS tape had a surprisingly long, long run. Like it started in the eighties and went. It went dang near through the mid two thousands. Yeah. I mean, compared to DVDs. Compared to DVDs, which was like they had like a like an eight year run, and then it's like Blu-ray just kicked the crap out of them. And then well, really, I don't know. I never. My family never ended up buying Blu-rays. I, I, mine didn't either. But allegedly, Blu-ray kicked. You know, well, was Blu-rays better. had an even shorter run than DVDs. They were around for like. True. Blu rays were like five years, then everyone was like, I could just download it and not have to get a scratched physical disc. Yeah. Huzzah. And uh, and and so now the real question is, how long will the downloaded on-demand movie? last. I think we'll go back to DVDs. I don't know. I'm actually almost positive that the uh, the recorded video file in your TV will last like at least at least for 15 years. I think that tech is here to stay. Well, then what, what's past that? I I you know, don't know if, I don't know what is past
0: that. Downloading them to your brain, you
1: know, Elon Musk style. I mean, it's possible. I think that's the only like maybe the TV might change, right? Maybe there will be like some souped up, you know, augmented reality glasses, right? But like viewing a video that's digitally saved I think is is set in stone at this point for mm-hmm. the next while so um, we're, we're we're up in the cloud and we're never coming down I think so I think so uh, so anyways season two we're doing Republic roulette so what that is is we have our handy dandy play-doh Republic and uh, we flip to a random page and find a uh, particularly inspiring or cool Phrase yeah, just, just cool sounding, yeah. You know? Cool sounding phrase, talk Epic. about it for a bit, and then you know, kind of go from use there. Use that as a springboard, use it as a springboard, exactly.
0: Uh, Troxler uh, you, you can do the honors system because I, I did can the do time. Okay,
1: so I'll just uh, don't go do too a, far this time. Yeah, we want, uh, oh, beginning of book five. Oh, we only got one page to pick from. We this only time. have one page, so for you at home following along, it's the beginning of book five, it's like you know, the 449 ABC. Um, well, you have this is Troxer's copy of the book. Just like to point that out, and he's got something. I mean,
0: don't he's don't got something hate, underlined. Don't
1: hate with don't hate Troxer's copy. You know, okay. I, I no no. I'm, j- I'm just I'm just part. saying
0: I'm just saying that he has something underlined. So I wouldn't necessarily have underlined this, but this might be something worth considering. He's got a question mark under it too. Yeah, that means something. There does. There are four forms of badness. Yes.
1: Well, so there there are actually, if you notice. And uh, I don't know if I can actually show this where the the under the, the, the pencil underline may not be actually visible, so I'm not going to try. There's actually two underlines yeah. that are happening at two different points in time. Um, the first was probably the first time I went through this, and the second was presumably the second. Yes, yeah, so we, um, we
0: had we read this. Me and Traxter were in many of the same classes in yeah. college. And uh, in two of the classes that we were in together, we read The Republic. Yeah, uh, one class which was devoted basically entirely to the Republic, more yes, or less,
1: basically entirely.
0: The and Republic. another one which we spent, you know, a good a good chunk a of the course semester. reading yeah. the Republic. Yeah. So uh we and I think you actually read it a third time. I read it
1: like a third or a fourth time after that
0: in a yeah. d- in another for class same for the same professor. Yeah.
1: We read it three times, but the, he yeah. read it three times with the same professor. I did. You get something new out of it every time, yeah. but. What specifically highlighted there is forms of badness. That is an interesting yeah. philosophical question, so, so I think I we didn't
0: even have to look at the rest of the... I will update this. We didn't even have to look at the rest of the page for something else, because that is fascinating
1: in and of itself. So this is going to be Episode 2, Forms of Badness. Well, before before we get started on forms of badness... Uh, we, need to, we need to give them the, the social media Oh yeah, give rundown. them the plug... Yeah. Uh, follow us at tw- twitter
0: uh, at podcast. I believe it's the same for facebook mm-hmm. our youtube channel squinting at the good our gmail squinting at the good at gmail.com yep and uh,
1: uh, obviously uh, buzzsprout.com squinting squinting dot com. squinting dot yeah. you can us find us we're out there if you just google squinting at the good we'll, we'll show up or, or duck duck go us or duck, duck go if you're if, if you're worried if about getting tracked if you're inclined so if inclined. you're so inclined yeah so, the reason I had this underlined, and I feel like actually picking an underlined passage is kind of cheating, because it, you know, I obviously know why it's underlined, and we've talked about it, and, you know, I feel like that's probably a better phrase, but we can do that for this episode, um, was because typically Plato talks about a form as something that is perfect and transcendent. Right. And what's what's fascinating for Plato is the transcendental things, like the, the good, the true, the beautiful, or any form... Is actually equivalent to any any other form. So, like the form of fire, is really the same thing as the form of goodness, just manifested differently. And of course, Plato Plato actually thought that they were physical substances, which is kind of weird in this spiritual philosophical hey, realm. They were all materialist back then. Yeah. So he was like, there they is, couldn't they couldn't think of things outside of the material. There is a world. substantial form that exists physically in the realm of the forms, but essentially they're all really the same thing they're all talking about goodness um and a specific application of goodness i guess is what one could say and so the reason i had this underlined was a form of badness would seem to contradict the idea of the forms of goodness because he's saying you know there's four forms of badness. Now I'm pretty sure what, we what found were the four, what were the four forms uh, of badness? i have to find.
0: I feel like that's important. No, that's you, you're giving no. too much context. Too much, too much, too con- much I, context. But I want to know because I don't remember. <laughs> you want to know? I want to know. What I want to know is more important than this podcast. Uh, My see, thirst for knowledge. I
1: actually like what Socrates responds to this. So Wait, he who, mean, who says four forms of badness? Uh, is Socrates saying that, or is Galcon? Socrates something says it. So then Glaucon asks, what are they? <laughs> repeating anemic. Wow, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I identify with Glaucon. You apparently identify with Glaucon, yeah. And uh, Socrates says, and I was going to speak of them in order to that each appeared to me to pass from one to the other. But Polemarchus was sitting at a little distance. Oh, it was a diametrist, not Glaucon who said this. But he stretched out his hand and took hold of his cloak and began to draw himself toward himself, stooped and said, shall we not uh, let it go or shall we, do, you know, so... Socrates basically, was trying to get away without... Basically, Socrates was going to say it, and then somebody interrupted him, but he's telling us this in narration form, which basically says, now we can wait about it. And so it happens, like, several pages later. Okay, no. so we don't know what they are.
0: No. Somebody in the chat, if you <laughs> please, no. please, for my no, sake, no, Traxler is, is trying to harm my philosophical education, so uh, please liberate me, someone in the chat. It's in book five. In book five, it's yeah. in book five, the four forms of badness
1: for my own edification. Your own edification,
0: yeah. But the so form of badness. Back to
1: the topic at Can hand. something
0: be perfectly bad? Perfectly bad. Well, perfectly I would, bad. I would think not, because it's something that's bad in uh, using bad as a synonym for evil. What if I don't if, use it as a synonym for evil. Well, what is badness then?
1: Not good. Absence of excellence. S- isn't that the same thing as evil? The the absence of good. Um. I suppose one could say that it depends. When people think of evil, they often think of it as a positive action, like you are actively being bad. Right? I mean, but that's but that's all. Evil is, evil is just the privation of the good, technically. But is the I guess I guess you can say absence of goodness. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it is evil. Fair so well. badness and evil are synonyms. So is there is there a difference at all between badness and evil? Are they equivocations? Well, it depends on it synonyms? depends on
0: it depends on the context you're using it. So. Bad and evil aren't necessarily the same thing used as adjectives, okay. right? Because bad could just refer to a, you know, defective, a defective thing. Okay. Right. Which in a sense is... Isn't that an absence of
1: goodness? but it's a less serious kind of, of goodness but, that but, but typically
0: evil is used for the meta for the meta fit, for it for a for, a, for a, something more metaphysical for something more metaphysical right more spiritual right so a bad hammer doesn't follow doesn't you know if a, a bad hammer a hammer that breaks right it's a bad hammer yeah right but that usually we don't usually think of a bad hammer as really having you know a Any sort type
1: of, of spiritual life yeah a, 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 a okay. sort
0: of sig- a significant metaphys- metaphysical deficiency. That's fair, uh, because it's an artifact, right? And yeah. artifacts only have something in so far as you know, yeah. only has has meaning in so far as humans give it meaning. Okay. Anyways, but evil, typically, I would say, is refers to the metaphysical. So, can you have perfect badness? Uh, can you no, have a no? Not not balance? not not in the sense that not in the sense of
1: perfect as being so so if we think of perfect not in the sense of, uh, of goodness but as uh, as uh, well even in the sense of goodness if I if I'm excellently bad and I'm excellent at being bad um, wouldn't there be a certain amount of goodness in my excellence of being bad because I'm Really, really good at. Being okay, bad.
0: well, it depends on what we mean by excellence. <laughs> okay, in, in uh, all of these are hinging all, of, it's all equivocations. Of the, all of well, all of these are hinging upon the same the same point. Yeah. Whether whether these terms, you know, uh, excellent. Uh, what else? What what else? What are the terms that we use so far? Perfect. Perfect. Good. Right. Whether whether these whether these terms uh, are seen as having an objective orientation towards the good or whether they have a subjective orientation towards the chosen end of the
1: individual person so if we think about perfection maybe that's a good way of thinking about it so a perfected end doesn't have to be a good end you could have a perfected bad end right insofar as it's completely completed right so perfection in the sense of of, uh maybe maybe uh syntax right it has completed right, its and end. so that's, it's that's reached its end. And that's completely. the sen-
0: and that's the sense of saying you are excellent at doing evil or yeah, something like that. Your if your end is the privation of good is to get. If
1: you have completely gotten there, you are right. perfectly evil. But you know the only problem with that is it's not metaphysically possible. That was that was actually something I had developed this awesome theory trying to reconcile the supposed multiverse with. Uh, Catholic theology and Western Aristotelian philosophy, and I got very close. Like I got, I oh, chased you, that you, rabbit you hole. You think you were close? I chased that rabbit down that hole really, really far, and I got to the point where what blew it up was that you can't actively do evil; you can only do things that aren't good, and that's what that's what blew up the theory. We'll have to, we'll have because to here's here, yeah, here's okay, where it is, okay. right? So. If we, if we, and the, my, my theory was using the idea of the good as, as being closer to being, right? So, the more good you were, the more being you are, you have, the more alive you are, the more you exist. And my argument was, as you tended towards evil or lack of being, uh, you existed less. But the problem is, you couldn't actively choose to, you know, the... I, I got to a point where a priv—I was giving a privation um, positive positive force, which isn't the case. A privation is is by definition not actually a thing. It's an absence of something, and so I was attributing existence to the absence of something, which doesn't work logically at all unfortunately
0: right yeah well I mean and there is a sense that when something is less good it it it, it suddenly becomes less being and if you recall in our last episode and that when I when we briefly like mentioned Athanasius. when we briefly mentioned Athanasius right there, there is a sense in which when when humanity sinned and turned away from God it lost some of its being it yeah. wasn't it wasn't fulfilling what it was supposed to be and it you know and
1: therefore it, it was it was less that's a good point. I I just want to go home. Awesome and close might be a little bit of a stretch. There. Yeah, yeah. But the,
0: but the, uh, uh, oh, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. But the reason why the meta- it'd be metaphysically impossible, in my in, in my view, you know, as a Christian, is that God is the is the ulti- ultimately sustains the being of all things. Precisely. Right? That was,
1: that's what that's what that's what got my theory blown up was that. You get to the point where God, the, the only things that exist are things that derive their exist existential qualities from God. And that which is opposite of God does not exist because it doesn't derive any existential qualities from God because it doesn't exist, right? And so I can act in a way that will push me further away from existence, but there aren't these positive evil actions that are like anti-existence. In theory right right that's that's what my metaphase that's that's the metaphysical end of that whole theory right there, there is there, aren't, there is an anti existentialism right
0: so far as I'm aware there is a minimum level of being that God in his love for you because it is better to be than not to be yeah. is always going to keep you at no matter how far you go away yeah. and this is why uh, even
1: when you're suffering for all eternity in hell Right, you and this, exist.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's better than not existing. And so, in so a sense, some people some people might say that hell is actually a place of God's mercy. Some people might say because yeah. God is still God is still you could just simply yeah. not exist. You could just simply not exist, yeah. and that's God true. is a loving God, and He won't do that
1: to you. That's true. So uh, now that that has a lot of cans of worms attached to it. <laughs> so many. Um, so because many. there's a lot of theories about what happens to your intellect when you die as far as whether you can actually like learn anything new or like experience anything new it's, and like what that those looks like. Those are all really good questions. I, I actually think half of them are, are complete garbage, but it's like it's like the philosophy grad students need to get published and so they just start <laughs> quibbling about, you know, whether you're a destructionist or whether you're a, you know, a, pre- uh, a, okay, pres- okay. a preservist, is that what the other... Well, why don't you why don't you go through and explain these? Because I'm 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 not familiar. I'm not familiar with the camps enough to quite explain it. But basically, some people think that your intellect, um, that the reason so they they follow from a Thomistic Aristotelian standpoint of you exist as a complex of body and soul, which makes sense. Then when you die, your soul you still exist. Your body you know deteriorates, goes to dust, you know dies. Yeah. Um, which means that you as a complex of body and soul die. And your intellect remains but because you experience things from an abstraction of physical senses through your brain you can't experience anything new and you can't have new thoughts you can't have new experiences you can't have new anything that is at least until just exist.
0: that is at least until last judgment and your
1: body is reunited yeah with your they, that's that's very torn in the academic community how that actually works on a metaphysical level where you take something physical and you make it spiritual and they haven't figured that out at all. I don't, is, And I don't think we will figure it out until Christ which comes is, again which, which, in glory. Which is definitely the begging of the question of why are you arguing about it, right? Because there's no way you're ever well, going to Well, you know to the reason any, why they're arguing about it? They because, want to get published so they can get tenure. Well,
0: because they're not concerned that it might happen tomorrow. If they really Ooh. were concerned that it was going to happen tomorrow, they'd be living a very True. different life. And this goes for all of us, I
1: think. Uh, if we actually thought... I, I, I read something. Yeah. That it is an act... Of, uh, one of the biggest acts of arrogance that we do is set alarms in the morning. Oof, because we are presuming so much that we're going to wake up tomorrow that we want to manage when we're going to wake up, which is uh, it's a little bit arrogant. So, sleeping in? Sleeping in, you could say that uh, you are adequately, you know, giving God's will its due respect of, you know. Now, some people could argue that uh, it's common thing to set when you're going to arise and you know you should have trust that God will provide and sustain you but uh, provide for you and sustain I'm you just going to use this as a theological justification <laughs> for sleeping, sleeping in. <laughs> in you heard it here folks it's theologically justified to sleep in maybe maybe but sloth is a sin so well that's interesting you know, do, you, do you pronounce it while well, we're just a sloth sloth uh, I don't know. I, I have always about said five. Sloth y- f- I'm from Texas about and we five. About five. Yeah,
0: about five years ago, I heard people start calling it sloth,
1: and I'm like,
0: I think this what? is the
1: same type of problem when people start pronouncing Greek words, like even in debate, right? We had like ethos and logos, and you know eros, right? And everyone always wants to go o, right? So like logos, ethos, eros, right? Um, but it's actually, like, not, like, it's Logos, not Logos, which is how I always heard it as a kid, which is, Logos. You know, logos, logos, right? logos. 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 Two Omicrons. Lambda, Omicron, Gamma, Omicron, Sigma.
0: You see, I think you're overthinking this. I think Logos just sounds cooler. It does sound cooler. Logos sounds problem? cooler, and Sloth does not. Sloth
1: does not. Besides, it l- not I don't know where that even comes from, though. Sloth. Sloth. Like I, I, just don't know who reads that and thinks sloth and not sloth.
0: And did the does is the virtue named after the animal or is the animal named? I mean, not not the virtue, the vice. Is the animal named after the virtue or is the virtue named I, after the vice? I think the vice, the vice
1: uh, existed in mind before. Probably we knew what a sloth was. What is the Latin for, for for sloth? You're the Latin scholar. I know, but I can't think of it. Probably like Latin, it's just sloth. I think it's pr- I think it's
0: probably the same word. Yeah, I'm not like sure.
1: Slothos that would- or something. <laughs> That's not slothos. <laughs> that's, that would be a Greek Slothos. Slothos. Yeah, that would be Greek. That sounds Greek. Uh, that, that's one of those butchered words where the Romans were like, we don't have a word for this. We'll take a Greek word and a yeah. Latin word and make them make them like each other a lot, um, which is just stupid. Man, um, all talking about all, how what all these words means, really wishes
0: I had an etymological dictionary. Maybe you should get one, man. Maybe I should get one. Well, I normally just go and pull out my phone or, you know, Jump onto the jump the onto the the interwebs and yeah. head up etymonline. Mm-hmm. etymonline. I've never heard of that before. E T Y M online it's it's a, it's a very good website. Very good website. Free. Yeah. This I think it's like one guy who literally has just written <laughs> an etymological dictionary. <laughs> Guys like it's my past, mission in
1: life to make an online etymological.
0: Yeah, over the last okay. twenty two years, he just he just nice. wrote his. Well, I mean, I think he mostly just copies from the Oxford English Dictionary, but I mean, makes sense. Yeah, OEDs. That's the standard, but you have to have a subscription of that. So
1: you do. do. Uh well so so moving moving backwards. Okay, all the way rewinding. Rewinding back. Where were we? So uh you can't actively do something that's a privation. You can just simply not be doing something good. Right? And that's where those theories get kind of screwy because anti existence doesn't exist. Um it's like when people say that uh darkness doesn't actually exist just an absence of light photons which is actually true like we don't have something that we can actively measure as positive darkness it's just there's no photons there's no light right which makes sense right and there's a lot of good parallels between light and goodness and being in existence right um we know one of the main ways we obviously know what things are is by seeing them through light um and so that's where that theory of the multiverse went went broke was because I was attributing actual existence to privations, which don't actually exist metaphysically, even though when we describe them, we kind of presume their existence to describe them. Um, But uh, needless to say, a form of badness or a form of something evil would be uh, completing the end of uh, pushing yourself closer to non-being or privation of goodness Mm -hmm. that'd be the thought process of a form of good that's what i underlined i thought it was kind of an interesting phrase because we always think of forms as something perfect or something good or something complete um the idea of a form of evil i thought was was fascinating um so here's a here's a theological curveball for you is the devil perfectly evil no of course not okay because he, he exists.
0: Okay. I mean, at, at a fundamental level, like like I said, there's a there's a lower limit. Why can't angels commit suicide? They have will. Um, they have a spiritual will. Well, because suicide ooh. <laughs> like suicide is death. Yeah. So why can't they just choose to not exist anymore? Because death isn't uh because death is death is something that happens to your body, not something that happens to your spirit. Okay. Fair enough. So the spirit just can't die, right? And so the and so death was the, death, uh, and death was the punishment for original sin for man. For man, that's sure. b- and the, and sure. the reason it is is because God said it was.
1: I mean, right? basically,
0: they, right? Yeah. And so the the angels weren't given that command. And they were punished in a different The fallen angels were punished in a different I, way. I did
1: hear one of those like squirrely conspiracy theories that pointed to evidence that mankind once had circular telomeres that didn't shorten as as they aged, huh. which um, is the same type of thing we see in jellyfish that are technically immortal. Um, when their DNA copies itself over, it doesn't get shorter, um, and it stays the proper length. Um, Okay. Oh, oh. And so there was there was some some scientist who was very much on the fringe of his field, was arguing that originally um, Homo sapiens had circular telomeres, and then uh, a retrovirus snipped it, and oh. then they started to age. So it wasn't like there was some sort of uh,
0: evolutionary advantage to not having not uh, having circular telomeres, but rather there was some sort of affliction that befell mankind that got rid of that the was
1: his theory uh, oh, there was no evidence that a retrovirus existed per se he was just explaining the genesis creation story in scientific terms oh. as a plausible okay. a plausible uh maybe you know act of god but there's lots of interesting theories about stuff like that but is, ultimately there's. it's all speculation uh yes generally speaking yeah. until you meant time travel which means if we'd ever invented time travel, we would have, you know...
0: That would be scary. Stuff, right?
1: Well, it, there's there's a lot of fun, logical problems with time travel that movies like to mess with, yeah. to the point of almost being a cliché. Although I did kind of like how uh, Avengers Endgame took time. It was a little bit of a, oh, okay. You know, a it wasn't curveball. your standard time machine plot. It yeah. was a little more realistic. They solved the grandfather p- paradox by just saying that your future was set and your past was now not set, which, eh. Okay, do you believe that, though? No, I think that doesn't make any sense. I think it's kind of bunk. Because I think that, uh, you know, if we're arguing that time flows, like, on a surface, there's a series of time, and there is somewhere, some dimension, some mm-hmm. realm, outside of time, where you could jump backwards or forwards or, you know, exist absence of to- absent of time, uh, I think the problem is, is that as soon as you insert yourself into that stream i mean you were in one place and now you're in a different place and so if you cause an action i mean i see to an extent where they're coming from like you'd still exist but you would be a paradox you wouldn't have a grandfather you just existed um which might be the case right maybe we uh maybe we develop time travel someday and we figure it out but um i actually think uh it's one of the you know. I pray that Christ
0: returns <laughs>
1: before that time. Well, can he? Like, he exists outside of time. Couldn't he come, like, when time ends? Right? Isn't that what they say? The end of time? It is the end of time. Yeah. Like it, it, By definition, the coming of Christ is the end of so time. So if you had a time machine, could you escape Last Judgment? I'm pretty sure you could only go in time so far as until the end of time.
0: Yeah, but could you theoretically keep on going backwards? Oh, in that sense. Ooh, that's a good question, I don't know. Um, that would be a very interesting plot for a novel. You should write that. Could I've already know? I've already got a different plan
1: for a novel that Could I you imagine you finish up your time machine like you're you're plugging the last wire in and then like, you know, the sky the opens horsemen up. the horde the four horsemen and you're, you're just like, like oh crap
0: i'm getting out of here <laughs> and
1: so you start hopping slowly backwards in time that'd be a fascinating novel um, i don't a, a know, man a
0: man who a man who is you know could you imagine
1: hopping all the way back like what if your time oh here's your here's your i'm writing your novel for you nemic so what if your time machine could only jump back in like Ten year increments, because that's just the tech you had, right? You're not immortal, you just, or you're not infallible. You just only created, you know, prototype version one mm-hmm. of time machine when the rapture happens. Um, but you don't age, okay? So you're outside of time, and then you come in and you go out and you in, right? But you can only jump in 10, ten year periods. Um, and so, yes, this is true. Eventually you die, so it would be a temporary solution. But what if the ending of your novel is you jumped all the way back to Plato? And you're talking to Plato. Maybe okay. I just thought of a cool, maybe a cooler, I don't <laughs> a know. okay, cooler novel.
0: F- cooler novel idea. Okay, so what if, what if like the motivation for jumping back in time was like, like uh, he wanted, like th- he sees Christ coming, right? Okay. But like, let's say like this is like a weird dystopian future where the church is basically gone, and he can't like. He's become a Christian by He's re- trying to recreate the church through time. No 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 no, no 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 no. No, like, but like, a like Saint Francis like but through time. Well he's like reading the Bible or he's like reading Saint Augustine. I don't know. He's reading something that somehow survived. Okay. And he's become convinced that he needs confession from a re- real priest. <laughs> but but That's he it. can't find a real priest because like they're all so underground. You travel back in time. They're all <laughs> underground or like, you know, the church is literally apostolic succession has been like completely wiped. Oh, that'd know, be, that'd and be he's like, funny. "I see Christ
1: coming back. I want. I. I need my salvation." Baptism so, of desire. Ha ha. He wouldn't have been baptized without a priest, presumably. You can be baptized without a priest. So, so they've kept baptism, but they've lost apostolic succession. That's a weird dystopian future. A Protestant. It, I guess it, so. It, it, yeah. It's okay. it's Fair it's theoretical. Enough. If
0: pro, if the you know, because Protestants do Fair do enough. valid baptisms, but they Fair do inval. They don't have any. They usually don't have so, any other valid forms so of the
1: sacraments. That's, I mean, that's 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 a novel. Um, I think it would get weird pretty quick. But, you know, if you want to write some theological fanfic, then it's not yeah. bad yeah it, it yeah. that there could there's there could be an interesting I, I think i think it'd be better to rip off a couple of other sci-fi <laughs> ideas and make them theological and throw them in there but yeah you know what it's, you know it's what's always terrific track. sci-fi you know like like church in space like maybe it's just because oh, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm a theology nerd but like All church, sci-fi church in space oh, yeah. you know one of the one of the best things about futurama have you if you've ever have you ever seen this the television in show space. I've I'm only just, seen like a couple episodes of each drama. Uh, is there Church in Space? It's it's a relatively funny, you know, cartoon T V show. Yeah, no, Anyways, it's, 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 like it's like the Simpsons so. but in Space. Yeah. But there's a space pope, there's but a space like pope? he's like this crocodile type alien, you know, with the with the with the mitre and everything and
1: well it's it's kind of amusing. I think the single best um iteration of uh, Church in Space or God in Space is uh, C. S. Lewis's space trilogy. Space like by Leo. far. It, it, out of the silent planet yeah. especially paralandra I have actually to this day never read the third one which allegedly according to Lewis when asked what was the best novel he ever wrote he said the third space what was that one, one? called uh, a uh, swiftly swiftly tilting plane no that's that's a wrinkle in time's third book um oof. That hideous strength. That hideous strength is the third. Uh, okay, third
0: well let's story. let's uh, let's t- let's tell the folks what uh, the space trilogy is about. Yeah, so the space you trilogy, guys might not be familiar with it. the
1: space trilogy was. A I personally
0: never read any of these books, but oh, I you am, Gotta read them.
1: I am familiar with the plot to a certain extent. So uh, the space trilogy was written, by, yeah, that hideous strength. Thank you, uh, Pontifex. So, um, basically, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, three books that follow uh, the life of a man from Earth who is sent, uh, the first book is called Out of the Silent Planet, and he uh, goes to Mars. Is sent to Mars. Um, And he's sent to Mars, presumably, from what I can remember, it's been uh, several years since I read Wasn't he?
0: Wasn't he, like, kidnapped or
1: something? Yeah, he was, like, kind of half-kidnapped by, like, a space agency that had some nefarious plans. They wanted to find gold or something. I don't think it was quite gold, but he was taken against his will to Mars um, by bad people. um, And he uh, I think there's some sort of an accident or there's a power struggle or the ship explodes something kind of like that He gets separated from the group um, Presumed none of the others survive and he gets rescued by an, an alien the um, Martians uh, Well, there's the Martians encompasses actually five races on the oh my so he has five races That all exist in relative harmony. There's a few bickering between some people. So there's like an insectoid race there's like a I think of them as Wookiees. There's like a Wookiee race. Um, there's like some aquatic, um, like whale kind of creature, like octopusy whale kind of creatures. And then there's uh, like some flying creatures, and then maybe there was one other that I can't remember. Um, no strictly humanoid, uh, human human being type, type Martians. Um, and he has some conversations. They talk a bit. Um, and ultimately, the conclusion of the book is he's at this council and they're talking. And uh, Earth has been deemed the silent planet. And of course, this is, I think, one of the, one of the better literary twists, is we always, think of, we always think of Mars as the dead planet, because it's all rusted over and it's old, and we think of them as silent, right? And so when you're thinking out of the silent planet, you're thinking, oh, Mars is the silent planet. But uh, the, in fact, the planets used to be able to communicate with each other, and the populations used to be able to communicate. But uh, because of the evil of man, they lost their connection to the other, the other planets, to the races, and so that the Earth became the silent planet. And of course, the man is out of the silent planet. Uh, so that's kind of the end of the book, for the most part. There's some cool so ecological stuff so, going on. So
0: it's sort of it's sort of implied that, or maybe they say it explicitly that this is a world where the fall of man never happened. No, no, man fell. Yeah, on, Mars. Oh, on no, Mars. On Mars, right? There's,
1: there's fighting. There's fighting, right? There's it, original sin and, and and evil isn't something explicitly to, like they aren't. They 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 have fallen in some sense. It's not the same. They weren't given the same situation. Um, huh. And that's something that, I always uh, that, thought that they hadn't fallen at all. That's we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, we'll get we'll get to that. So the the interesting thing that he addresses is uh, the alien races that aren't human, and uh, so so Lewis argues through. That book that um, God could have created any number of races looking any number of constructions of people um, that he wanted but after the incarnation he picked mankind and, and, and you know humans as the chosen race of people that he was going to you know become incarnate uh, you know as a human and so he argues that those previous races were older they predate the incarnation now, of course, this gets very sketchy theologically because Christ existed from the beginning of time.
0: Well, no, 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 no. I mean,
1: the Son existed,
0: but Christ as... Okay, okay, true. You know, The Son
1: existed. But the not... The second
0: person of the Trinity existed. But true, true. You can't that's a really good distinction. That. That's a good distinction. You can't really say that Christ existed from the beginning of time because he
1: had... you know, but God Christ knew that he was going to be a human.
0: Um. That's a good question. It's well, not entirely. This, intar- is, this, is
1: it. this is a we're we're applying a non-time series thing to a time series. Okay, thing. So sure. I actually really do like. Um, it might actually be Lewis's argument. I think, in a pre different book, that oh no 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 this is the Boethian notion of time that fits with, Lewis's notion of an unstoppable force and a, uh, a movable object, um, that it's an illogical possibility impossibility that doesn't have any answer to. Um, the Boethian notion of time, which which would argue that God didn't doesn't exist in a time and exists everywhere as present, and so in a sense he always knew he was going to become incarnate, but he exists everywhere at once, at the same time, is the only way we could think of think of God in time. Anyway, so that's out of the silent planet, and then um, the man returns to Earth. Um, Paralandra is the name of the second planet of uh, the second book, and. For whatever reason all of his books like the first three chapters are like the slowest driest most boring unappealing chapters of any book I've read and I don't know if it's an intentional thing on Lewis's part I mean he's a clever guy so I'm sure it is but like if you just skip the first like two chapters the books are way better (laughs) I don't know what it is Um, but basically um, God whisks the man away from earth and places him on Venus and it's an extremely fascinating book because uh, on Venus, God has just created the first Venus man and the first Venus woman, and they are pre-fallen. And uh, God is basically doing a Garden of Eden, e- Eden do-over, where he's giving them sort of a command and letting, allowing the devil to tempt the woman. But instead of allowing uh, the devil to tempt the woman Uh, Without anyone to help or, you know, to to offer a second opinion, he pulls this human dude from Earth to argue uh, that she shouldn't follow the devil's temptations. And it's fascinating. That's actually pretty funny. It's actually quite fascinating because he really, I think, does an exquisite job of explaining what it would be like to not understand good and evil. Because that's something that, like, she doesn't know what bad is. She doesn't know what badness is, because all she knows is goodness, right? And so when, you know, the, the, the devil or the, de- the demonic character who's actually just a possessed human is tempting her or arguing with her, you know, the man is trying to argue that that's bad, don't do it. And then she literally just asks, like, what is bad? I, I, what is this? You know, How can I learn of this? What is this? And it's fascinating because the allegedly, at least from a traditional view of the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve were fully formed humans that had intellects and wills, and you know, could un- the capacity to understand as much as anyone could ever, or maybe more. So some some people argue, but they had no knowledge. So they had all of the ability, but none of no knowledge, and. Uh, so in *Paralandra*, Lewis argues that the woman—the be- woman says that she becomes older as she experiences more things, and says oh, instead of like you've made me wiser, you've made me older, which mm. is interesting. Yeah, it's an ex- it's an extremely poetically beautiful book. Um, everyone should read it. But basically, at the very end, it looks like she's going to act badly, but she ends up instead choosing goodness, and um, they live as a unfallen race, and it's quite fascinating. Um, I don't know what the that hideous strength is about. Never got through the first two chapters that were boring. <laughs> okay, read the, read the books and tell us. Please. Read the books and tell us. Yeah, Give us a, a book allegedly, report. allegedly, C.S. Lewis said that the third is his best work as a novelist. But um, and you haven't read it. I haven't read it. I mean, okay. you haven't read any of them, so you know. That's who true. You get on I don't know. Uh,
0: you know, I really liked. I really liked The Great Divorce. I thought that was a good one. I haven't read it uh i never could get into the narnia books i couldn't get into the uh you didn't read the narnia books no i i started i started reading them but i could never read
1: books are spectacular i that's what that's what really made me like stop and think like if he's saying that this is the best then like yeah narnia is great like how is there something better so so pontifex says that hideous strength is an absolutely wild terrifying ride but it's fantastic okay well there you go it's been decided.
0: Uh, let's see I thought Screwtape Letters had some clever bits But honestly I didn't think it was that good
1: I actually thought Screwtape Letters was pretty profound Yeah um, I thought that, that was pretty good I also really liked Just as a quick aside Screwtape Letters is a book of letters Written from Screwtape uh, a, chief, a chief uh, head head, He's head some sort of senior demon Senior demon To his uh, junior nephew, tempter, nephew Junior tempter Wormwood and uh, I, so it's a series of letters basically instructing him how to tempt this man. And it's it's fascinating. But the part that I like the best is that he makes the devils bureaucrats, <laughs> <laughs> which is just great. <laughs> yeah, the, the great lowerarchy of the. Yes, instead of hierarchy, it's a lowerarchy. Which is another thing that, does that actually exist? A lowerarchy? You know, so that's d- a form of badness. You It's know, d- like grades of badness. You know, demons
0: teach demonology, so I am not going demons to comment. Demons teach
1: demonology.
0: I'm not going to comment. Yeah, I
1: don't know if I'd want to know what the professor of demonology at the school would look like. I feel yeah, like and that this is, is, is incidentally I'm why I'm skeptical
0: around. of most most uh, supposed accounts of exorcisms and stuff like that, because you know, how, how, demons are tricky. How much can you trust? Very good point. How much can you trust? Very good point. Better
1: just to pray, folks. Better just. Better pray. just to pray. All right, so this was uh this was more of a yeah i like Like this one this this is a good one we're getting back into the groove getting back in the groove we're getting with the flow the flow of being uh hopefully yeah
0: hopefully we've turned away from from badness and we're reorientate reorient reorienting ourselves towards the good so we're turning but we're squinting so we yeah we're we're still squinting i mean i as much as i'd like to open my eyes wider
1: uh i'd need some metaphysical sunglasses to do that yeah um so i think you need a haircut keep the beard keep the beard beard, beard, cut cut the hair like this is this is this is some 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 long locks you got Um, it's luscious though they're long luscious locks. when was the last time you used conditioner i used i use two in one well two in one okay okay so this is this is an important (laughs) tangent that i've been told so there's apparently no way you can have a shampoo and a conditioner working at the same time because the shampoo will just take the conditioner out of your hair. I don't know, folks. Allegedly. I don't know, folks. You're supposed to wash your hair with that's, shampoo that's and then put conditioner that's in. That's what
0: some people say, but I guarantee you it feels much nicer after I use two-in-one,
1: so. Yeah, then what about three-in-one? That's just too much power. That's, <laughs> that's too, too much power. power. That's the shampoo that you can also use on your body? Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. that's too much power. Yeah, Which means that you're literally just putting soap in your hair. <laughs> Although, well, although, I mean, that's what shampoo is. To be honest. Isn't is it, shampoo just, like, weak it's, soap? It's a solvent because it's water yeah, and but it but has it, some it, polar part yeah, in it. But isn't, isn't,
0: isn't, isn't body wash just stronger soap. shampoo, basically? I mean... And then, and then body wash
1: is just weaker hand soap? Like, hand soap is, like, the strongest? I think so. Although I'm not actually sure what differentiates hand soap from normal soaps. I can I can definitely tell you that uh, there are some chemical properties of soaps that let them you know there's some ionic qualities to them but I don't know how I judge like strength of a soap versus a shampoo or anything like that we need a chemist uh, we do need a, we chemist. need a chemist I do know a good chemist we can Kay. talk about soaps um, for days uh, presumably okay um, but what I was going to say about the uh, the shampooing idea is that i did i did have a professor that you did too who would take ivory bar soap and wash his hair with ivory bar soap and that was his shampoo he would use ivory bar soap everywhere i and, mean um,
0: in a pinch you, you, you get mean, you get, some, pinch, you, you get something like, you get something disgusting in your hair it has to get I, clean I now and you're out of shampoo but as a norm in a pinch, as a norm, as,
1: as a norm you I don't want to use Ladies the and gentlemen, of soap in your head. Ladies like, and gentlemen of the jury, you I don't know you about be the judge that. of that. Yeah, it's a bit sketchy. But people do it, apparently. Like people he, he said he did it, it. In a pinch. In, in a pinch. I, I don't think it was a pinch. I think that he said that was his MO, like he would that's what he used for years was that So can you really criticize me for using two in one? No, but I'm saying a three in one is essentially just bar soap at this point, right? It doesn't have a conditioner, so it's, it's really just a two-in-one. Yeah, so bar soap it's is... A bo- it's a body wash shampoo, but not a conditioner. Not a can- so so you could get your conditioner, and then it'd be okay. Yeah, if you used so your why don't we just and wh- then a conditioner. Why don't we just use bar soap and conditioner? I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there that's thinking that you're a heathen, but i mean i don't know it just seems wrong to use the bar well in your hair. a
0: heathen that's interesting that you mention a heathen okay because that's very victorian of you you know <laughs> they, didn't sh- they didn't
1: they didn't they didn't know what wh- no
0: no no victorian is when the sort of uh fetishization of cleanliness came you know oh, really? there's a line in great expectations where pip's pip's older sister mrs joe says uh, or he says this of mrs joe cleanliness
1: next to godliness is that where that phrase is from, Is from Great Expectations? Uh, is that c- the first coining of it? It's certainly used there. Because uh, I've heard it's a proverb. Like, I've heard... Cleanliness next to godliness. It's one of those proverbs yeah. that people repeat. Yeah, well, they start... that. That, that
0: That's a Victorian do you, attitude. Do you know if
1: that's the first coining?
0: I don't know if that's the first coining, but I certainly know it's
1: in there somewhere. Huh. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, so. Honestly, I probably should read Great Expectations. At some oh, my gosh. You haven't read Charles Dickens, buddy? I've read A Tale of Two Cities... Oh, okay. You've done, you've done a little bit. gone down the Charles Dickens rabbit hole of, you know, you, when you get paid by the word and you like to expressively paint a scene, Yeah. you know, at some point it gets a bit repetitive. Charles Dickens is great, though. I don't know if I'd call him great. He's Charles not Dickens my favorite novelist. One of the top or five. He's a serialist, really. One of the top five English writers. Really? Of, What's your top five?
0: Oh, top, well, I mean, my personal top five or, like, the top five? the top five the top five your your revised version Uh, well uh, I mean yeah Shakespeare is definitely number one Uh, Dickens is definitely in there in the top five okay Uh, Shakespeare Dickens help me out with suggestions if you want
1: I mean, I, you said that there's a top five. I'm sure there is a top so five. you sounded like you were speaking from authority. I didn't I, want to interrupt. Well, I mean, what's your top five? My top five. You said Shakespeare, Dickens. Shakespeare and Dickens are definitely in there. You know, I Do would, you throw Hemingway in there?
0: No, I wouldn't throw Hemingway you, in there. Do you throw uh, uh, Milton? No, Milton might make the top. Well, not my top five, but the top five. Okay. I'm not okay. a big
1: Milton guy. You didn't like Paradise Lost. No, I, I, I like, I like Shakespeare much better. Really? I'm not not as I'm not as big of a Shakespeare guy. Let's see. Uh, okay. So, you've got Milton. Let's just let's let's think in let's think in eras, Dickens. you know. You know, Shakespeare is Elizabethan. Milton's a little bit later. Okay. What about what about uh, Emily Dickinson or? Uh, you know some of your some of your your poets. Oh, so okay. So if Dickens is the novelist, yeah. If Dickens is the novelist, you've got Shakespeare, Shakespeare is, is your well, playwright. Well, he's a he's a poet,
0: but we'll we'll call him the playwright. Uh, I say playwright. I think, okay. I think it's Milton. Milton is the uh, he's is, an epic is, poet. is the epic poet. Okay. Uh, if we're just talking about uh, you know. Just normal poetry.
1: Yeah.
0: Just normal poetry. There it might go. it might be someone like. Uh, whoa, whoa. Then we get the problem of you know British literature versus yeah, American, American literature, literature, which is good. and I that's technically
1: rough. we're speaking mostly in British, I think, at this point, right? Oh, I mean, well, it's just the British are better at a lot of things. Well, no, but like all of the people you know, Jane Austen. Jane Austen might be in there. I mean, Jane in the Austen, top five. I was thinking she was. I think she might be number five, but maybe number four. She's. I don't know. She's definitely really high up there. She probably is high up in there. You um, know, uh, this might not be this might not be
0: popular, but definitely in my top five yeah. is W. H. Auden. I, I don't know oh my is, goodness
1: he's yeah. like prob- probably he right. right. well T.S. Eliot may be the greater I don't know I actually okay so I actually think objectively speaking T.S. Eliot needs to be in the top five T.S.
0: Eliot WHO, and they got a pretty stiff competition like, for best English poet <laughs> of the 20th century I think
1: T.S. Think Eliot wins that though having not read anything of the other guy. Oh my gosh, W.H. Auden. I'm just a big T.S. Eliot fan, so.
0: W.H. Auden, amazing. You know, some people, I don't know if I would put him in the top five, but, you know, there are those people who would put Tolkien in the top five of all
1: time. I actually think that might be legitimate. Yeah? It it might be. Although, the problem is, is like, well, actually, okay, we've, we've missed two very big ones. I feel like people always put Chaucer in the top five. Yeah, Chaucer, t- but Chaucer, we can consider him writing a different language. Oh, fair enough. We if can you s- want to say he was writing Middle English, I'll go with yeah. that. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Milton, was Milton writing Middle yeah, English? Yeah, he, he was after Shakespeare. Oh, was he? Mil- I thought he was Mil- Mil- before Shakespeare. I think no, no, it was between Shakespeare. Chaucer Chaucer Shakespeare.
0: Shakespeare, Shakespeare was, Elizabeth, was Elizabethan. Oh, okay. Milton wrote during the Civil War, I think. Okay, fair enough. He was a... Mid-1800s. No, like... Late-1800s. Like,
1: uh, like... These, oh, British Civil War. Yeah, the British Civil oh, okay. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Um, I actually think if we want to include as a separate genre, fantasy, I think Tolkien wins fantasy hands down, slam dunk, you know, over all of British literature, because yeah. he kind of like what was name like a great fantasy series in English from a British author prior to Tolkien. I mean, some people might point to H. G. Wells, maybe, or, but is that really uh, fantasy? Lovecraft. Uh, I mean, Lovecraft and. And Wells. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly like, like either fiction? of those. I think of them in more. I mean, as sci-fi. science fiction and fantasy are kind of the same thing. I think of fantasy as world building. Okay. Right. Sci-fi. They kind of. You, you take the current world with few adaptations, right? Like H.G. Wells, Invisible Man. Okay. He's invisible. If, if you take, right. if you take yeah.
0: fantasy as separate from sci-fi, yes, it is true. Tolkien is not definitely is a, is
1: a, is a good. You you think uh, you think that she founded science fiction over? Over, uh, she definitely has a she definitely yeah, has a good claim
0: for being the founder of
1: science fiction. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair That's fair. I think before was she she was before HG Wells. Oh, yeah She was like beginning and
0: of the 1800s. Yeah,
1: so I mean, I always think of her as like later 1800s. I don't know No, why. she's the very beginning right. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. So if we say then Shakespeare for playwright Shakespeare um, and then I would say Elliot for poetry, okay um, you can make that. I, I guess you go. I guess you go Mary Shelley science fiction. But I don't know if science fiction makes top five genres in English. Yeah. But if if there is, you know, I'll I'll give her that because honestly, I mean, Frankenstein was pretty revolutionary for a lot of way a lot of reasons. That's a pretty good um, book. And it is a pretty good book too. Um, I think you have to go Tolkien for fantasy just because there hasn't actually been another. You know novel series that has taken his type of world building and yeah. made it as big as big well, of the okay universe as okay a but, okay, but so now we're
0: mixing stuff. now we're mixing so we're, t- we're now we've we've switched from we've switched and the novelist from novelist,
1: i guess you're saying is dickens i don't i don't like his but we switched
0: but. from we've switched from genre from from type of writing to genre right so there's the two different things. best in their genre okay but then we can't say you know playwright isn't a play isn't a genre
1: i think of that as
0: I mean, maybe it's not. No, like I, but think, I think, a, think of it as. Genre. I think a genre, you know, play is a type, is a form of writing. Is a format. Is a form of writing. Okay. And the yeah. genre might be, uh, dramatic comedy, right? Or yeah. you know, dramatic. Tragedy. Well,
1: I guess we'll have to we'll have to continue this on another yeah, podcast. This, oh, this is a great conversation. We yeah. need to figure out how to smooth it into Republic Roulette next time. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we can see something. We'll have to try to get um, an English major. An English major. We we do know several English majors. We may have several English we should, majors, we both current, an English current English major. and formal, uh, formal. Uh, an English formal. literature major, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, remember, guys, keep squinting. Keep Where are squinting.
0: Wear the metaphysical sunglasses.
1: Uh, it's gonna be good yeah. if you keep if you if you squint. Yep, yeah. and uh, see you next time. Yep.